Hi, everybody. Welcome to Track Track. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, Justin. How's it going? Hey, everybody out there in the universe. We're back again after another hiatus. Yeah, the holidays hit. Holiday uh, holiday illnesses hit. <laughs> and unfortunately, we don't have Dr. Phlox, uh, nor do we have um, the technology that Dr. Phlox has access to. So we just kind of have to suffer. Yeah. And, well, at least he doesn't. He's not around to put slugs on us. Well, maybe those slugs would have healed you right away. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. They sound gross, but maybe they're helpful. Yeah. Hey, so it's kind of a, a milestone for us, right? Oh uh, yeah. Here this is uh, episode fifty. We finally got to fifty episodes. We're finally at fifty. Um, so we're gonna try to escalate and get to a hundred really fast, so we can say <laughs> we're at we're, we're, at, we're at fifty episodes. It's the fiftieth anniversary of Star Trek. Hey, that's right. It's two thousand sixteen, uh, and this this will be the fiftieth anniversary. There's all kinds of stuff going on. I There's think. a new Star Trek movie. <laughs> new movie trailer came out. Oh yeah. So wait, did we talk about the trailer? No, we I don't. Talked about the we trailer. talked about how the trailer was going to happen. Was going to happen, and now we've seen it. Yeah, actually, uh, we didn't see it. Uh, I I saw it before. I saw um, that other Star movie, and it was like called like Star Stargate. You saw Stargate. The, you saw yeah. Stargate again. And... Yeah, I went to the theater for a special screen of Stargate, uh, expecting to see the Star Trek uh, Beyond trailer in front of it, and there wasn't. There actually weren't any trailers, um, but yeah. Anyways, but yeah, the trailer came out, and and uh, I, I mean, the thing that hit me the most about it was the choice of music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm probably this is probably the 18 millionth person that people have heard kind of bring up the the fact that they played the Beastie Boys song from the first J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek throughout the entire trailer. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, beyond that, you know, I saw, I watched it a few times so I could kind of focus in on what was going on and I honestly don't know what is going on in it. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's a different feel, but I, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I saw a lot of people really disliking the new feel of the movie, mm. but I don't know. It feels in line with the other JJ Abrams Star Trek movies. Uh, I, I know he's not directing this one, but it seems that entire universe is, its own thing to me mm-hmm. so i'm not bothered by the beastie boys being in it or whatever oh yeah i mean they feel they definitely feel different than than any of the series or any of the movies that came before um and well i mean there have been no series or movies since, so they're, they're definitely their own thing like you said um and i'd say I, I don't think it's they're definitely i think going for a feel with the trailer and the fact that they you know they like make a big deal to point out that it's from the director of uh uh, Furious, whatever. One of those Furious movies. Uh, not Furiosa, but the, the car racing ones, right? Yeah, the Fast and Furious, the more recent ones. Uh, yeah, so it's from it's from that, that director, uh, and they, they it definitely has that kind of, like, you know, kicked into high gear feel. But that's just the trailer. Like, we actually don't know if the movie itself is going to have, you know, is going to feel that different from the, the past two movies. You know, it could just be a, tra- a trailer thing. I don't know if the movie is just going to be nothing but, like, explosions and really, you know, uh, fast pacing. Uh, we definitely, it looks like the Enterprise gets destroyed again, mm-hmm. um, which they seem to really want to do a lot now. Um, 
Yeah. Well, and maybe a- maybe they'll get the Enterprise A at the end of this movie. Yeah, maybe it's they finally you know want to get a new Enterprise or whatever. It does look like they're they're gathering up Starfleet officers or Starfleet personnel on a planet somewhere, and, and that actually made me think back to your your idea that maybe given the the anniversary of of Star Trek this year um, and the fact that the Abrams Star Trek universe is technically you know separate from the original Star Trek universe, maybe they are gonna go for something that kind of unifies the universes somehow um that was me going up way out on a limb when i saw you know starfleet personnel being gathered up i'm like oh are they gonna get them from like multiverses or something <laughs> and then all of a sudden you you know you'll see Riker and Worf and you know grabbing all those guys but anyways yeah so that came out um speaking uh real quick uh one thing i wanted to mention to you um speaking of abram's track actually over the holidays I was just kind of in like a uh Abrams mood for some reason. Uh maybe it's because I saw that other star movie. Uh and I rewatched uh the two thousand nine um original JJ Abrams Star Trek. And, you know, I I've probably seen that movie about eight times and I never realized or never caught that when uh they go to the Starfleet station and meet uh Scotty that they talk about Captain Archer. Hmm. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. So they so just a quick refresher for those of you, you know, I'm sure everyone's seen it at this point. But, um, you know, they there's a point in the film where Captain Kirk meets Scotty and, uh, you know, they're basically talking about his aptitude with transporter technology. Uh, and um, they talk about um, how. You know, basically they're trying to trans, uh, they're trying to use the transporter to get Kirk onto a ship that's traveling at warp. And Scotty talks about, you know, oh, you know, I was told that, you know, you could, the, the, the range of a transporter, you know, was uh, X miles. Uh, but I was actually able to transport something, you know, from one planet to another. Uh, and then he talks about doing something and he says, oh, you know, Admiral Archer's prized beagle. I like transported it and it never rematerialized. And so they actually talk about Porthos and Captain Archer in in the Abrams Trek movie. Um, and and then I got kind of sad because I'm like, oh, well, at least in this universe, Porthos is like floating out there somewhere. I mean, it makes sense given that uh, Enterprise is the one, you know, connecting starting point between the two split mm-hmm. timelines. Right, right. It's actually happened before uh and it's it's the one thing that's happened before basically. So, right. Yeah. Anyways, but uh yeah. And and uh, I was I was talking to you about uh, before we um came on the air here about how over the holidays I was also going back and I'd found that I had um uh, had some kind of gaps in my original series viewing for some reason. Um, according to Netflix, there was a few episodes that I, for whatever reason, had skipped over uh, the last time I watched through. So I've uh, been going back and watching those. And uh, yeah, there's some good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great show. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to do number 50. Yeah, uh, this episode of Trek Trek, we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise, as we do. Uh, we're going to talk about Season 3, Episode 5, Impulse, and Season 3, Episode 6, Exile. 
So, uh, Impulse, is that the one where they don't use the warp drive for the entire episode? Yep, they just stay at Impulse. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about what we thought of that. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> it's sure a it pretty slow-moving episode. Yeah. It's, it plods along, basically. Yeah. Uh, no, Impulse uh, is not about the Impulse drive. Uh, we'll find out what it's about shortly uh, as we talk about... Uh, the episode Impulse, original air date October 8th, 2003. Uh, the episode opens with T'Pol being carried into sick bay by Archer. She tries to fight as Archer and Flock strap her to the examination table, and she screams as the opening credits kick in. So, pretty shocking uh, pre credits scene there. Yeah. What's going on? You gotta sit through those credits to find out. Uh, when the episode comes back, Phlox sedates T'Pol, and it cuts to one day earlier. Archer and Trip are in the command center. Trip comments that Chef has been saying people have been skipping meals, and that movie night's been put on hold since they entered the Expanse. Uh, Trip suggests a Bob Hope and Bing Crosby flick, uh, something <laughs> from the 1940s and 50s. Again! Yeah. Again with the ancient, ancient media. <laughs> it's like, guys, maybe try making up some stuff that happened between, you know, 2003 and the, the date of when your mission is, you know? Just make something up. Yeah. I, they really fall back on those 40s and 50s stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul enters the command center and Trip tells her that movie night is back on. Uh, who she calls Archer and tells him she picked up a Vulcan distress call. Archer, Trip, and T'Pol enter the bridge. T'Pol recognizes the transponder frequency as originating from the Salea, a Vulcan ship that entered the expanse nine months ago. Uh, Enterprise enters an asteroid field. Uh, Trip mentions that the asteroids are loaded with trillium ore. Archer doesn't want to put Enterprise at risk, so he takes a shuttle pod with Reed, T'Pol, and some military guy. Uh, while in the shuttle <laughs> pod, T'Pol reveals that she served on the Salea for a year. Uh, the Vankara had been sent to find the Salea before, and we know what happened to the crew of the Vankara mm-hmm. uh, from the episode The Expanse. And yeah, they went pretty crazy. Yeah, they Until just they started attacking each other. Yeah. Uh, back on Enterprise, Trip and Mayweather try beaming pieces of the asteroids aboard to get the trellium. Uh, there's a problem and the transporter breaks. Uh, Mayweather offers to use a shuttle pod to land on one of the bigger asteroids, uh, which reminds me of the episode Breaking the Ice, in which yep. Mayweather and Reed landed on a comet. Mm-hmm. You'd think he'd, you know, be a little hesitant to want to try that again <laughs> after that. Uh, plus, with all the spatial anomalies going on. Yeah, they don't really learn their lessons in this show too much. Uh, Archer's shuttle pod docks with the Slaya. The way team explores the heavily damaged ship. The team of T'Pol and Archer find a biosign behind a door. And they open the door to find a zombie-like Vulcan uh, that attacks T'Pol and Archer before Archer shoots him with a phase pistol. Uh, more zo- zombie Vulcans appear, and uh, T'Pol and Archer shoot them. So, so should we maybe call these, like, Zulcans or Vombies? Like, I guess vom- for, for simplicity's sake? Uh, I guess Vombies, sure. Ah, cool. Okay. 
Uh, elsewhere, Reed and the soldier are attacked by a large number of zombies. Uh, Archer and T'Pol show up and rescue them. The soldier sets his rifle to kill because stun isn't working, but T'Pol argues that this is a rescue mission, and Archer orders that weapons be kept on stun. Yeah, because who knows, they could find a cure for whatever's, you know, got them being all zombie-like. Well, they haven't seen enough zombie movies to know that there's no cure for zombieism. No. What if they just just went straight to headshots? <laughs> They're like, well, as we learned from the 19, you know, <laughs> they like reference like a really old zombie movie, like Night of the Living Dead or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two zombies block the away team's path to the shuttle pod. Archer tries talking to them. But one of the zombies uh, closes the door, locking the way team out of the airlock. Uh, more zombies show up, and the way team escapes into a hatch. Archer tries hailing Enterprise, but there's no response. And Paul tells them that they can call Enterprise from the bridge, which is seven ducks below them. Uh, the only problem is that there may be 147 zombies out there, and oh the gosh. soldier has a wounded arm. Was he bitten by a zombie? Uh, I think it was just str- <laughs> well. It wouldn't really matter because it's not a I true know, zombie I virus. But I know. I just I, think it would be funny. I don't remember how he wounded his arm, but yeah. Anyways, he's hurt. S- someone's got to be injured, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Someone's got to slow him all down. Yeah. Uh, Archer wants to go to sick bay, which is two decks up. Uh, to make matters worse, T'Pol is starting to be affected by whatever affected the Vulcan crew. Meanwhile, Mayweather and Trip have taken the other shuttle pod to a big asteroid. On the Solea, the away team has made it to sick bay, and they've stunned one of the zombies, uh, Solon, the chief engineer of the Solea, so they can examine him, uh, but they don't get any answers. Uh, the away team moves on, and we learn that the soldier's name is Hawkins, because Archer tests him with looking after T'Pol. T'Pol explains to Hawkins that Vulcans do do have emotions, uh, but they keep but they keep them suppressed. Uh, in the past, Vulcans were a violent race that commonly experienced paranoia and homicidal rage, uh, which explains you know why the Vancara crew went crazy. Mm-hmm. Basically, their control over their emotions apparently was uh, eradicated somehow. Yeah, they're acting impulsively. You could say. Uh, meanwhile, on the asteroid, Mayweather and Trip are mining for trillium when they experience a spatial anomaly that alters their course to a denser part of the asteroid field. Uh, they get into the shuttle pod and fly off while asteroids are colliding around them. Back on the Solea, the way team has made it to the engine room. Uh, T'Pol is getting more aggressive. Back on Enterprise in the launch bay, Trip gets a call from Archer. Uh, Trip tells Archer that it'll be a couple hours before they can launch Shuttle Pod 2 again because it sustained heavy damage from the asteroids. Uh, in the engine room of the Solea, T'Pol is getting so paranoid that she points a phase pistol, which is set to kill, uh, at Archer. Uh, on the Enterprise in sickbay, Phlox is showing Trip the data he got from Archer. The Vulcans are sick because of their exposure to the Trillium. It turns out that the Trillium D is a potent neurotoxin to the Vulcan nervous system, affecting the pathways that allow them to control their emotions. But not to humans, just... Just Vulcans. (laughs) 
Flox calls Archer and gives him the lowdown on T'Pol's condition. Uh, Flox says it's too late for the Vulcan crew. How convenient. Mm-hmm. So now we can go full-on zombie hunting. Yep. Uh, the Vulcans are trying to smoke out the away team by flooding the engine room with hexafluorine gas. Uh, Reed overloads the power grid, and the away team heads to the docking hatch as the ship is starting to self-destruct. Uh, T'Pol goes even more crazy, so Archer stuns her with his phase pistol. Uh, zombies chase after them, and Reed and Hawkins hold them back. Uh, interesting that the rifles are still set on stun, despite the fact that they were going to leave them to die in an exploding ship, I know. <laughs> Exactly. That's a good catch. Uh, the way team tries to take off, but the docking clamps are locked. Suddenly, Shuttlepod 2, piloted by Mayweather and Trip, arrives and shoots the docking clamps, allowing Shuttlepod 1 to escape. Uh, the two Shuttlepods fly off as the Solea explodes. Wow, really good timing there. Yeah, how convenient. Lots of conveniences in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in the launch bay of Enterprise, Trip tells Archer that they got over 60 kilos of trillium, which is enough to line the forward hull. Archer wants the trillium stored in a biohazard locker in Cargo Bay 1 until T'Pol can become inoculated. Oh, so basically they're going to find a cure? Or I guess, a like you said, an inoculation. Form. Yeah, somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Too bad the zombies didn't have that. Yeah, they thought they were so smart. Yeah, they didn't detect, you know, when someone started getting sick, they didn't realize, oh, crap, it's the trillium. We need to get out of here. Uh, in sick bay, Phlox tells Archer that T'Pol is healing, but it will be some time before she can fully regain uh, control over her emotions. Her impulses? Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Archer tells T'Pol that the Solea was destroyed and that the trillium was what was making them crazy. Uh, T'Pol wants to be left on the next habitable planet that they come across so that the Enterprise can use the trillium. Barcher won't leave anyone behind if he can help it because, he says, quote, I can't try to save humanity without holding on to what makes me human. Uh, later is a movie night. Uh, suddenly they go to a tactical alert. As T'Pol is walking to the turbolift, she thinks she sees someone sneaking about. She enters the turbolift and is attacked by a zombie. When she exits the turbolift, more zombies attack, and things are exploding around her in the hallway. Uh, it turns out she was having a nightmare. Uh, she was actually in sickbay the whole time, and Flox is waking her up. Uh, T'Pol lies back down and looks scared as the episode ends. Hmm. So she was having a a zombie nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, you know, at, at that point, I'm like, where are they? How did they get on the ship? They, they're kind of like uh, at the end of uh, Aliens. Yeah. For those uh, who've seen it, they, they kind of, maybe they stowed away somehow. Or <laughs> 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 they're really tiny. A little bit of, of zombie matter persisted, and then they grew into full-size zombies. That's the way it works. That's what wow. I heard. So this was a pretty straightforward episode. Very, yeah. Very uh, straightforward. They were definitely going for a a horror vibe with it. A, you know, kind of a, a um, you know, alien-esque aliens. I guess more like aliens. Yeah. Definitely zombies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> zombies, if you will. Um, and, and so there, as such, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot to the episode. There wasn't even... You know, there was, well, you know, uh, T'Pol was in peril. There was that element to it, but there wasn't really any sort of, like, twist. There wasn't any sort of, you know, I guess what I I would have hoped would have been for some sort of Star Trek 
like um twists like like they they would have figured out some you know clever way to help the zombies or you know or you know cure them or you know something would happen but instead it it basically turned into you know space horror movie um the zombies all died <laughs> the ship exploded and that was that i mean it was like it was like a really quick little one-off episode um uh, i mean and, the yeah enterprise is continuing to explore the vulcans or to introduce the idea of vulcans to mm-hmm. the audience uh mm-hmm. saying like well, you know vulcans weren't always as logical mm-hmm. as they were they were actually paranoid and aggressive and this is what yeah. happens well, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they did mention that that Irritapal mentions that Vulcans were like this before they got control of their emotions. But I almost got the sense that, you know, the way when I was watching the way I felt was that they these were like kind of Vulcans in hyper drive. They were, you know, this was like even extreme even for Vulcans. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they could have done a little bit to you know, reinforce the fact that before they got control of their emotions, like Vulcans were this crazy, like full of rage that they basically turned into zombies. Well, Um, also if they were that full of rage, how come they didn't kill each other? How come they were basically zombies? mm -hmm, They didn't say mm -hmm. anything. They were just like ganging up on the enterprise crew the whole time. Yeah, They beat, you know, I would almost would almost have expected that without their emotions and such in check, that they might have become more like uh, Klingons, you know, like been very, you know, kind of like um, aggressive, mm-hmm. but not necessarily just. M- but they weren't mindless. They were still doing things that required <laughs> intelligence. But at the same time, like you said, they weren't like they didn't seem to be able to communicate or anything like that. So. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I think I think they could have done some more interesting things with it. Um, but as it was, you know, it was just kind of almost like a level from a video game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, you've encountered a Vulcan ship where the Vulcan crew uh, has basically lost control of themselves and they're, go- they're going crazy and they're going to kill you if you don't do something about it. I think you had a good point about the fact that, you know, even though they've They've been told by flocks that there's no helping these guys and they're going to leave them on the ship to explode that they still just kept trying to stun them. Mm-hmm. That was, that was odd. <laughs> they still um, want to be good guys, even though ultimately they're going to kill them. Going to blow them up. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, we're not going to actively kill them. <laughs> we're just going to, you know, we're going to let them kind of kill themselves because they are trying to blow up the ship. <laughs> so. uh, you see a little bit of the tension between the military and Starfleet uh, with mm-hmm. Hawkins trying to set his phaser to kill right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's not much to that other than, you know. Yeah, I think it was if it was a more modern sci-fi show. They might have just started killing them right away <laughs> if they wanted to be really edgy, you know. Well, I. I'm interested in seeing that conflict between Starfleet and the military, and mm-hmm. they've had hints of it. They've had a lot of uh, Reed being, uh, I guess, jealous of the military or feeling like he's not being respected. Right. Uh, but they haven't really done much with it other than a few comments here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, 
you know, it could have been even more interesting uh, if if they had, you know, had let Hawkins, um, you know, actually kill one of the zombies. And then Archer, like, what did, you know, what did you do? You're like, you know, well, we're not slow. We weren't stopping them. We weren't slowing them down. I had to do what I had to do. You know, Archer can say, like, well, we don't kill, you know, we don't kill people, even if they're not people. Right. Know? Yeah, that so. would have that would have been a little more impactful. Um, yeah. Anyhow. Basically, Hawkins' arc was, I'm going to I'm the military guy and I'm going to kill them. Oh, I've learned more about Vulcans and I respect Vulcans now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. They're, they're just misunderstood. They're not monsters. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, though, if, if that's the way Vulcans were before they could control their emotions. How did they? I'd, I'm almost more interested to know, you know, not not in kind of expanded universe, but, you know, I'd, I'd be more interested through the show. Maybe that could have been part of this episode to find out, well, how did the Vulcans take control of this then? Because if they were like that, like they didn't just go from being like that to being Vulcans as we know them. Mm -hmm. What happened? Was there someone that like, did they, did they somehow realize like, oh crap, we're, <laughs> we got to do something about our emotions. <laughs> well, there's, there's some more Enterprise episodes that they could, yeah, that's know, true. Reveal this stuff. I, but I mean, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it literally would be like, you've got a planet full of zombies and then they go from being zombies to being Mr. Spock. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the thing is, I don't think they were like zombies. I've, if anything, <laughs> they were probably like Romulans and mm -hmm. they weren't like Romulans in this episode. So. Right, right. They were, they were, you know, maybe more warlike and they they were killing each other and having you know basically be even more human like right mm -hmm. going to war and killing each other and they realized like this if we want to survive as a as a species we're, we can't keep doing this right so we have to do something about it but instead we got zombies yeah. anyways yeah it was all right it was an all right episode yeah I mean, it wasn't it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't amazingly bad. Yeah, and, and at least kind of there. At least we got an explanation for why the Vancaro crew went crazy. Right. Yeah. That's 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 good. Um, and uh, yeah, it's good that they're going to be able to inoculate uh, to Paul against the Trillium. Right. Mm -hmm. That that's handy. Yeah. The then if they encounter another Vulcan crew, they can help them out. Yeah. Uh, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about Exile. All right, I'm going to go uh, fight some zombies, and then we'll be right back. UPN Wednesday. He can show her the universe and the secret that could save Earth. Think of what I can offer you, but at a price. You would kill over 80 people to keep me here? Their fate is in your hands. And we're back. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 3, Episode 6, Exile. Original air date, October 15th, 2003. Take it away, Randy. All right. Well, uh, we continue the theme uh, from Impulse of a spooky goings-on in space. Uh, we start this episode out uh, in, of all places, Hoshi's bathroom. Um, she's, you know getting ready for bed or something uh you know generally doing the, as much bathroom stuff as is as pg on a star <laughs> trek show uh we're wondering where this is going uh, with hoshi uh when she hears a voice calling her name um she obviously thinks hey, is someone here in my quarters being a total creeper uh when she does see a shadowy figure uh she calls uh security for help uh, but when she looks back, it's gone. 
Uh, and then we have our opening credits. Uh, after the credits, uh, we're in the new uh, tactical command center of the ship, uh, where T'Pol is explaining to Captain Archer uh, that she's found evidence that there's another one of those giant gravity-manipulating spheres uh, from the earlier episode um, that seems to be contributing uh, to the spatial anomalies that they've been encountering in the Expanse. Uh, Archer says that he wants to investigate uh, this potential second sphere, uh, since if they're able to find it, they might be able to use uh, data from it and the previous sphere to, to kind of uh, triangulate, I guess, if you will, or at least kind of map out where the anomalies might occur in the future uh, so they can avoid them. Uh, on the bridge, uh, Reed and Hoshi are talking about the events in her uh, quarters, and Reed tells her that he hasn't detected any signs that there were any intruders in her quarters or actually anywhere on the ship for that matter. Um, so Hoshi, I guess thinking that there might be something physically wrong with her, uh, visits Phlox in sickbay, but he can't find anything wrong with her either and tells her he thinks it could be stress. Um, Hoshi says, uh, she's going to go, uh, to, to the command center and work on the Zindi, uh, deciphering or, or translating the Zindi database. Uh, so the next time we see her is in the command center. Uh, she's working on the Zindi deba- database when, uh, she hears the voice again. Uh, it's calling her name. Uh, she tries to converse with it. Uh, she wonders if it's on the ship and the voice tells her that it is nowhere near the Enterprise. Uh, the next thing we know, her face appears on the command center screens. Uh, and then she sees the figure again. Uh, but before she knows it, a hand is on her shoulder. Uh, she turns around to find that it's Reed, almost like snapping her out of a dream. Uh, she goes back to sickbay, uh, where Flock still can't find anything wrong with her. Uh, and Reed still uh, hasn't found any signs of anyone that shouldn't be on the ship. Uh, so at this point, it's kind of, you know, she's kind of wondering if she's going nuts, I guess. Um... Reed and uh, and Archer were both in sick bay, uh, but they leave. Uh, and after they do that, Hoshi and Phlox continue chatting. Uh, but at this point, Phlox act, starts acting kind of strangely. Um, and it turns out that it's not really Phlox, but it's whatever this entity is that she's been talking to. Um, and he reveals to Hoshi that he's been reading her thoughts for some time. That's not creepy. <laughs> no. Um, so it's getting creepier. Like I said, continuing on with, you know, first we had zombies, now we have weird goings on in space some more. This expanse is turning out to be a pretty unusual place. Uh, the scene suddenly, the environment of sickbay changes to a courtyard, uh, and she sees this, be- sees this being, uh, who appears to be humanoid. Uh, he tells her that sh- he has information that can help with the Enterprise's mission, uh, but that he's actually located light years away from where they are, uh, and he wants Hoshi to come visit him. So, um, you know, this guy's obviously never heard of OkCupid um, <laughs> or, you know, Mash.com or any of that stuff. Uh, the next up, we're in Archer's Ready Room, uh, where Hoshi is explaining to Archer um, what she has learned about this entity, that the entity is real and what it wants. Uh, and he seems interested. Um, so he tells Travis to change course. Um, next thing we know, uh, Archer, Hoshi, and Malcolm are taking a shuttle pod down to the surface of an alien planet to sort of like, it looks like almost like a monastery carved into a mountain or like a castle. Um, there they meet the alien, 
and he looks nothing like in her vision. He is not human. Um, I almost was getting this sense of beast from Beauty and the Beast out of this, and oh, yeah. we'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's definitely got that vibe. Uh, he, his actual look reminded me of a beholder from D&D. Mm, mm-hmm. That's a good one. That's that's actually very close. So maybe some inspiration there. I can't imagine anyone on the you know the enterprise uh, the enterprise show writing crew having played D and D. Come on, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Uh, this alien reveals that his name is Tarkin, Governor uh, not, Tarkin, not Governor or Grand Bob Tarkin. <laughs> no, Tarkin spelled differently. Um, he is a telepath, uh, and he. Uh, which explains how he was able to uh, talk to Hoshi aboard Enterprise light years away, apparently. Um, and he tells them that he can use these telepathic abilities to help them in their uh, mission against the Zendi. Uh, but he says that he needs an artifact that belongs to the Zendi in order to kind of work his magic juju, uh, and that he will need a few days. Uh, not only that, but he asks Archer if Hoshi can stay with him at his castle while he works. So a bit like, you know, Bell and the Beast. Um, uh, Archer says no. Um, but then Tarkin kind of plays the, his card and says, you know, uh, I'll only help you if she'll stay with me. Uh, so back on Enterprise, uh, Hoshi's telling Archer that she can take care of herself. She'll be okay. And so uh, the Enterprise decides to keep searching for this second sphere while she goes and stays with Tarkin while he does his... Uh, telepathy stuff they probably should have left some soldiers or something behind yeah yeah but you know i mean this creepy this tarkin creep (laughs) he's he's basically like no i only want to be i want to be alone with Oshi. (laughs) no i won't help (laughs) you if she doesn't come alone i mean it's like it's like the worst possible situation like no way archer should have let her go by herself yeah there's clearly something going on here um anyways what he lets her go there, there you go, and we'll see what happens as a result of that. Uh, back on the planet, uh, Archer uh, gives Tarkin a piece of the weapon that attacked Earth, so a bit of the the future attack from it. Um, and he checks in with Hoshi, and uh, before leaving, uh, he makes a, a joke about, you know, oh, did you pack your or I guess uh, he doesn't make a joke. He says, oh, I want to make sure you packed a phase pistol. And she says, yeah, I'll make sure to sleep with it under my pillow. So, yeah, I don't know. She's not even really taking this that seriously. <laughs> yeah, they just met a strange alien who's telepathic and lives by himself. And, you know, they're just going to hang I mean, out. I mean, I know she can take care of herself, but still, like. <laughs> it's a weird situation. Yeah. All right. So, uh, ready to get weirder. Um, <laughs> the next scene, uh Hoshi and Tarkin are in the dining room of his castle, uh, and he's uh, serving her a meal. He's actually managed to replicate some Earth food, including pizza. Uh, he says that it should be just like pizza from Fiorella's in San Francisco. Uh, I checked on Yelp and could find no <laughs> mention of this restaurant, so I don't think it's a real place. I'd never heard of it before. It's somewhere in the future. We don't know. Oh, right, is. right. But they, they can come up with future pizza restaurants in San Francisco, but they can't come up with some future uh, movie names <laughs> for a movie night. I was thinking, why didn't they just, a uh, little, little off topic here, but why didn't they just pick movies that were like from the year the episode was made? So at least it wouldn't seem so outdated. Right. You know, and it would have been kind of like a fun like oh wait that movie came out like last year you know and it's but it's an oldie now in the future uh so anyways he's uh tarkin's also uh presenting her with a alien dessert 
uh, from the Aracon system. Uh, Hoshi tells him that her stomach doesn't feel so good. What? But he... She's got pizza and mac and cheese and cheeseburgers. How could she, her stomach not feel good? Yeah, right? She's got all that nutritious earth food. I'm, I'm changing my mind about this Tarkin guy. He's, <laughs> he's got some good food. Yeah, I mean, how could he be bad if he's got some comfort <laughs> food, right? Uh, so, you know, she says, no, no, nonetheless, she says her stomach's sick. But then he, you know, he kind of uh, calls her bluff because, uh, you know, he's been reading her mind <laughs> for quite a while now. Uh, he reveals that uh, he knows that this is an excuse that she used to use on her grandmother uh, when her grandma wanted her to eat soba noodles. Uh, but he reminds her also that she ended up loving soba noodles. They became one of her favorite foods. So who knows? Maybe she would love this Araconian dessert he's presenting. Um, during this conversation, uh, we also find out uh, that he has been exiled, hence the uh, name of the episode, <laughs> uh, to this planet uh, because of his tel- telepathic abilities. Uh, apparently, uh, a, a small fraction of his race uh, are born with these abilities, and uh, when they uh, show these abilities, they get exiled, and for reasons we're, we're probably finding out. Um, oh, she wants to know if he's been reading her thoughts the entire time since he discovered her. Uh, he says not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So it really implies that, that he was seriously creeping on her uh, for quite a while. Um, he says that he wants to get to know her like humans do now that they're actually in the same place. Uh, she says that she's tired and wants to retire to her, her room. Uh, but the next thing we see, he's in her bedroom, so he's like, <laughs> just keeps following her this around. This dude his will not leave her alone. Well, hey, no, come on, like, man, get a hobby. Like, yeah, just she's take not the in, hint. You know? Take the hint, right? Uh, <laughs> he, in in her bedroom, yeah, he reveals that that he is actually still kind of reading her mind because he says, "I can tell you feel alone, and you don't need to be." Uh, back on the Enterprise, uh, they are approaching the second sphere. Uh, stuff is going, uh, bananas. Basically, there's, you know, staircases are turning upside down, uh, Archer's water polo ball gets stuck in the wall, you know, just general expanse anomaly junks going on. Um, but they do find out that basically they can't proceed with Enterprise, uh, any closer to the second sphere without the ship getting torn apart. Uh, so Archer asks, uh, Trip, if it's possible uh, to to outfit or, I guess, coat, basically, one of the shuttle pods with Trellium D so they can fly in without being affected uh, by the anomalies. Uh, he says he'll get working on it. Now, back on the planet, uh, Tarkin shows Hoshi a basically a crystal ball, this device that he uses to amplify his telepathic abilities, um, and wants to know if she wants to try it. And she does... And she actually ends up seeing some stuff. She sees the Zendi and, you know, some other re- relevant stuff and maybe even kind of some visions of things to come. Uh, but she can't really uh, make much out of it. Uh, so she goes outside after this experience and ends up seeing some gravestones. So red alert. Um, it turns out that Tarkin has had some lady friends there with him before. These companions who, unlike him, eventually die. Uh, so it's like a creepy Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly. When he said companions, that's immediately what I thought. I'm like, okay, creepy Doctor. Uh, 
So, surprise, surprise, he wants Hoshi to be his next companion. Uh, but, you know, for obvious reasons, she's not really keen on the idea. Uh, I guess kind of in a, in a not-quite-last-ditch effort, but his next effort, he uh, takes human form on again and tries to give her a really hard sell on Stain, but she knows that, you know, it's not really him. Uh, we cut back to Archer and Trip in a shuttle pod, uh, they encounter a cloaking field, uh, as they did with uh, the previous Sphere uh, episode. Uh, they cast through it and try to scan the Sphere, but they find that their sensors are damaged. Uh, Trip wants to head back to Enterprise to work on them, uh, but there's no time to do that. Uh, so they end up landing on the Sphere to pr- uh, perform the repairs wearing EV suits. Uh, while Trip is working on the repairs, however... Uh, one of the shuttle's thrusters fires, and it starts to lift off. Uh, so Archer and Trip have to shoot the thruster with their phase pistols uh, so they don't lose their ride home. Uh, they make it back. Uh, on the Enterprise, uh, we find out that the, the scans are complete. Uh, and then we get a Starlog update from Archer, uh, where he reveals that T'Pol is working on the data they collected, and uh, they're heading back to Tarkin's world to pick up Hoshi. Um, back on Tarkin's planet, uh, they're in Hoshi's bedroom, uh, Tarkin enters and tells her that Enterprise is on its way back, and that he has learned some things about the Zindi weapon. He again presses her to stay, but again, she rebukes him. Uh, Hoshi's finishing packing up when Captain Archer enters. Uh, he tells Hoshi that Tarkin wants her to stay with him while he continues his research into the Zendi, and that while he can't order her to stay, uh, it's the best thing for the Enterprise mission. Yeah, that's something Archer would totally say. Right, right. Uh, so Hoshi wants to, you know, she she's willing to go along with the captain, but she says she wants to return to Enterprise to get some of her things, but he tells her, oh, that's not necessary. <laughs> Uh, she says, well, I want to say goodbye to my friends. And he says, oh, you know, oh, you mean like Travis? And she says, that's weird. I was just thinking about Travis. <laughs> so the jig is up. It's obviously Tarkin trying to trick her into stain. He's a very bad archer. Yeah. Uh, next up's Enterprise. Back on the Enterprise. They try hailing the planet, but their communications are being jammed. And just then the ship's systems start shutting down and power starts shutting down on the ship on the planet tarkin tells hoshi that he won't return power to enterprise unless she agrees to stay this guy has got some serious problems (laughs) yeah he needs to know when to say when to take no for an answer uh so hoshi you know seizes an opportunity she takes his his telepathic amplifier uh and threatens to throw it on the ground and break it meaning that i guess unless he can't build one or doesn't have another one uh he won't be able to reach out across the stars and get another companion or try to get another companion. i mean they should just break it anyway this dude is a total creep yeah definitely so tarkin finally uh relinquishes uh hoping to i guess not lose his ability to get another companion or attempt to get another companion uh the power on the enterprise uh comes back on uh, and they are getting a call from Hoshi on the surface, who's asking Archer to come and get her. Uh, we get a Captain Starlog. Uh, Hoshi is back on board Enterprise, but unfortunately, they didn't didn't get 
any info on the Zindi from Tarkin. So after all that, <laughs> they got nothing uh, from Tarkin. Uh, he says that hopefully Topal has better luck with the data they collected on the sphere. Uh, in the command center, uh, Tabal is showing her findings to Archer when we learn that there are at least 50 more of these spheres in the Delphic Expanse. So some questions arise. Why would someone want to do this? Why would they want to create these spheres that create these spatial anomalies? And did the creation of these spheres end up creating the Expanse itself? So we have a new bit of mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, wondering where this is going. It's kind of interesting. You know, I'm guessing, you know, there's going to be some reason for why uh, they created these spheres. Uh, back in Hoshi's quarters, Tarkin appears. <laughs> so she can't, Go away. She really can't take no for an answer. Uh, he wants to know if she's finished the book he gave her. He had given her a book when she came to his castle uh, for her to translate. Um, Obviously, she wants him to leave for good. <laughs> like, just get out of here, buddy. Just get out of here for good. Uh, he tells her, however, that he has found some info on the Zendi, and he wants to give it to her because he's worried about her getting hurt on the mission. So, you know, he's really just a good guy. You know? <laughs> he's really has her best interests in mind. You know, it's not all about him. I'm pretty sure it's all about him. <laughs> After this, uh, Archer is in his ready room when Hoshi enters. Uh, she tells him what's happened and that Tarkin ended up delivering some info on the Zindi. After all, it was in the form of coordinates to a Zindi outpost. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, so they, they got something out of it after all. Well, I would hope so, after all that. <laughs> after that ordeal. This was not a good episode. Oh, no. <laughs> and it, had, it was interesting. I mean, it had potential. I mean, there was, there, I mean the, the concept isn't bad. It was just not good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a very straightforward episode in that, hey, here's this creeper alien guy, and he's still a creep. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And he, him giving information at the end doesn't make him not a creep. No. And he's just like, dude, go away, you know? I mean, yeah, they got the these coordinates out of it, but... I mean, at what cost? Yeah. I mean, they, they almost lost Hoshi. You know, I I say that from the get-go. I mean, I totally agree with you. They should never have agreed to let Hoshi go by herself. Mm-hmm. You know, they should have been, you know, some of maybe some of the the uh, uh, military officers or at least some, you know, at least some security personnel should have stayed behind. You know, when you have one of the senior members of the Enterprise crew. Mm-hmm. Um they they, the ship. they didn't know anything about this guy, and they're just like, right. oh, yeah, Hoshi can stay behind. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, you'd th- you'd almost think like, well, is there anything in our database about this race? Uh, is there anything you know? Does has uh, Topal heard anything about this race? Has Flox heard anything about this race? You know, to that corroborates his story. You know, I was expecting there to be some, you know, again, I know, I don't know why I expect every episode to have a twist, but at least there to be some different approach where, you know, he's saying, oh, you know, I, oh, poor me, I have telepathic powers, so I was exiled here by my people. Um, but there, for there to be some, there's something more to it. 
But it turns out, no, he's just this really lonely alien who really doesn't know how to deal with women. Yeah. He just thinks like, oh, well, I can just, you know, invade people's thoughts and convince and trick them into coming to my planet. And then once they're here, I can destroy their ship so that they can't leave. You know? Yeah, it's so weird. And plus, like, if he's an exile, why didn't he just steal their ship and get off the planet? Oh, good point. You know, like, then he could go around and, you know, like, roll up on ladies in space <laughs> all the time, all he wants, and, you know, try to get their phone numbers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I don't know if you watched Jessica Jones on Netflix. Yeah, definitely. But this reminded me a lot of Kilgrave. He's totally Kilgrave. He's Space Kilgrave. All right, for folks who have seen Jessica Jones, hopefully that made you smile. And if not, when you should watch Jessica Jones. It's awesome. And uh and you'll watch this episode and you'll have a new appreciation for it <laughs> because he is he is Space Kilgrave. Um yeah, I mean, he he wasn't able to force her to do anything, but you know, uh, but he was doing his darndest to force her to stay. Mm-hmm. I mean, he clearly had technology that could disable a starship in orbit. So, you know, uh, he had some, he definitely had some, some powers that he could, or, you know, technology at least that he could be pretty awful with. Yeah. And then at the end, he's like, Oh, I promise I won't visit you again, Hoshi. But really, do you really expect him to uphold that? Part? Yeah. I mean, she, she should have destroyed his stupid crystal ball. Yeah. Because I'm guessing he's probably going to reappear at some point. I mean, he was in her mind for a long time before she realized it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he reveals at the end that he's able to be in her mind again. Yeah. And and so you know maybe you know this is going to sound kind of bad, but you know Hoshi is definitely one of the most, if not the most, underdeveloped character on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past anyone to to have this be a reoccurring thing for her because you know it's like anytime um you you have um a you know a character that you know they want to try to maybe give some screen time to like hoshi you know i would hope that they would come up with something different around this character but i get the sense that maybe we'll see this guy again and i hope not yeah agreed. just leave this guy behind and yeah move on <laughs> something that he can't do exactly give give it up dude uh yeah this episode Ugh. yeah yeah it, it it made me feel as creeped out as i guess the guy so yeah but that was the episode <laughs> all right uh, yeah impulse was the better of these two uh, next time we're gonna talk about two more episodes uh the shipment and twilight awesome I wonder if there'll be vampires and werewolves in the second mm-hmm. episode. Yep, shimmering. They're going to be shimmering. Uh, until then, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you later. All right, see you then. Wednesday, the enemy has created a device. I want to know where the weapon is being built and when it's going to be ready. That will destroy Earth. Looks like some kind of countdown. You have to get out of here! Then, in two weeks, the unthinkable happens. Earth destroyed. Star Trek Enterprise. 